Omajjana Trimananda Sajjana Jana Salakaya Sakshurnalitanyena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Manchakal Kubischa Kupasin Vivacha Titanam Bhagane Govashna Vijjanamo Namaha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Nastapreshu habyeshu nacham bhagavata sevaya Bhagavatyutamasloke bhaktir bhavati naistiki So good evening everyone We can chant a verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam first canto second chapter text 11 Vedanti tat tatva vidas Vedanti tat tatva vidas Tatva miyaj janamadvayam Tatva miyaj janamadvayam Brahmeti paramatmeti Brahmeti paramatmeti Bhagavaniti sabjati Bhagavaniti sabjati Learn transcendentalists who know the absolute truth Call this non-dual substance Brahman paramatma or Bhagavan so we are in the middle of a section of sections of the Tattva Sandarbha. Remember the Sandarbhas of Srila Jiva Goswami are presented in Anucheda, or philosophical bites, I guess we could call them, niblets of, of transcendental knowledge. And uh, this term, Anucheda, refers to a section which generally includes Jiva's uh, presentation of primarily a verse from Srimad Bhagavatam and explanatory text of his own to make a philosophical point in support of the uh, core Siddhanta of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So we're in a section of those sections that is requesting us to look at ourselves in order to get some comprehension of the absolute self. So we're looking inward to, to have a better perspective of what is the nature of the absolute truth in relationship to the minuscule part of the absolute truth. So I want to go over in a review fashion, what was last class's Anucheda, and then go forward to the next one. Uh, there's only uh, a few Anuchedas that constitute this looking inward and comparison. And also in this section, not only is he giving us a comparison between the Jivatma and the Paramatma, or the Brahman, or Bhagavan, uh, he's not only doing that, uh, but he's also, as he has from the very beginning, dispelling any doubts as to the nature of the self, and specific doubts that are prevalent in the misinterpretation of the Vedas a misinterpretation utilized for conceiving of the absolute as being 
without qualities and without potencies and without a personality and indistinct in every way, indivisible in every way, because there are statements throughout the Vedas that speak to the indivisibility of the soul and the, the non-distinction of the soul, but these are often misinterpreted in order to further a non-dualistic conception which, well, the verse we just chanted is, speaks to the non-dual nature of consciousness but it says that this consciousness is used, viewed in different ways according to the, to the perception of various transcendentalists. The learned souls, the learned souls, develop tattva, conceptions of tattva, the absolute truth, around this non-dual consciousness. So, uh, Jiva Goswami has gone to and will continue to go to great lengths, even when we come to this to the Bhagavat Sandarbha. This is a continual point, just to conceive of how very important that is, and to be able to keep a clear spiritual conscience nurtured by proper Siddhanta is fundamental to our advancing so it's stressed again and again in many ways Jiva stresses it through philosophy and through logic some great Acharya Shaitanya Mahaprabhu stressed it as a matter of a caution better you go live with in the, in the, the cage of a, of a tiger than to embrace this conception of absolute spirituality independent of personality. There is an aspect of that spirituality, that supreme absolute spirituality. There is a non-distinct feature of energy, but Behind it, there is that supreme, absolute personality of Godhead. So, in Anucheta 52, which we're going to quickly review, the basic nature of the Anucheta is meant to convey that consciousness is primary and distinct from its content. It's the primary thing. It's what we're all about. And it's distinct from what's inside it, what it sees. It's, there's a difference there. What's the nature of the identity? How are Brahman and the Jiva alike? And how are they distinct from each other? So the Anucheta, one may question, but events of consciousness, Yan, are seen to exist for just an instant taking the shape, say, of a blue object one moment and a yellow object the next. How then can consciousness, yana, be characterized as non-dual and eternal, which is the subject of this scripture, Srimad Bhagavatam, 
Sutta Goswami replies. So Jiva's put forth a question, uh, Purvapaksha, an objection to the conception that consciousness is non-dual. So he's raised an objection. And now he defeats the objection simply by quoting Bhagavatam. And one would think, well, seems like he's kind of skirting the issue here. How does this verse directly address the objection? So the verse is, this Bhagavatam is the essence of all Vedanta philosophy because its subject matter is the absolute truth, which is one without a second, as characterized by the oneness in love of the individual living being with Brahman. The one ultimate attainment, Prayogen, proclaimed in this book is Kaivalya, aloneness, which here implies pure devotion alone under the supreme truth devoid of any extraneous element. How is that answering at all the poor Vipaksha? How is it addressing the fact that there is a class of spiritual seekers whose conception is that consciousness cannot be non-dual and it cannot be eternal because it is ever-changing. So you Gaudias, you're saying well, it's, it's non-dual and it's eternal. But I can see that consciousness is constantly, when it sees yellow, it thinks yellow. It perceives yellow, it cognates yellow, it associates with yellow, and when it sees blue, it's blue consciousness. Once it's blue, once it's yellow, so it's changing. It can vacillate. What if you had a girl dancing with a, you know, one of those colored ribbons and it was blue on one side and yellow on the other and you're like, oh, is it blue, is it yellow? You know, the bright. So your consciousness is constantly changing. So how can it be eternal? How can it be non-dual? And how does this verse by Sutta Goswami from the 12th Canto, address that. This Bhagavatam is the essence of all Vedantic philosophy because its subject matter is the absolute truth, which is one without a second as characterized by the oneness in love of the individual living being with Brahman. The one ultimate attainment, Prayojan, proclaimed in this book is Kaivalya, literally aloneness which here implies pure devotion alone unto that supreme truth, devoid of any extraneous element. So Jeeva's answering it by saying, no, this is the definition of the absolute truth. And this definition contains the nature of that absolute truth that it is attained, the prayojan, the attainment of this absolute truth, is fixity in consciousness that is alone placed in knowledge and in service to the Supreme. 
So then Jiva goes on in a way that provides an explanation that can refute this conception of constant change and how it needs to be viewed and there's Shruti statements, there's statements in the scripture regarding the absolute truth. So these are different statements from the Upanishads regarding the absolute truth. Brahman is truth, consciousness and without end or limit. So Brahman is truth and it's consciousness and without end or limit. By hearing about Brahman, the unheard of becomes heard. Prior to all this, there is only Sat, the eternal reality. Endowed with infallible will, such a Sankalpa, let me become many. So these are all Shruti statements regarding the nature of the Supreme Absolute Truth, which is the goal spoken of in the verse quoted from the 12th canto. So the, the samadhi of Srila Vyasadeva revealed but that the oneness of Jiva and Brahman in no way implies absolute non-distinction. It's an important point. The oneness of the Jiva and Brahman in no way implies absolute non-distinction. What do we what have we learned? There are likenesses and there are differences. The likenesses are both are cognizant. They have consciousness. They both have awareness. But one is controlled by the other's potencies. In fact, one is a potency of the other. They're not absolutely the same thing. They also have distinctions. But their essence is the same. It's consciousness. You are that, Tatwamasi, discloses the oneness of Brahman as, same, as the same identity by virtue of pure consciousness an integral part thereof. This helps with pre preliminary understanding of the Supreme Brahman. So, and in the next time of Cheta, this is going to be the core, this one aphorism. Tat Twamasi. You are that. Tat Twamasi. This knowledge gives us some indication of the nature of Brahman because we know our nature. We're conscious, we're aware. Now, as we go forward here in these next few Anuchedas, the nature of our consciousness is, is going to be brought out very specifically by discussion of the statements of Pipalayana in the twelfth canto to King Nimi. Those will be coming up. And then Jiva goes on to say there's a way for someone that doesn't have full knowledge 
to be given an, an allegory to his situation that will help him perceive the larger picture. And the allegory used is if you have someone that's only resided in a dark room, that's his existence, he knows nothing beyond that. And you want to try to explain to him the nature of light. I don't have any conception of light. But you can point out, well, there is a beam of light coming into this darkness. You can see there. And if you look and see the nature of that light coming into the room, you can get, a, you can have a conception of what it would be like to be independent of your room, can't you? You could say, oh, well, look, it's light. What would happen if that was everywhere? So we can explain through an analogy that a simple ray of light, just with this analogy and, and some, some experience of the ray of light, we can have some conception of the whole orb of light and a completely illuminated environment. So let's quickly go through this commentary. The argument that Jiva Goswami has presented is from a, a Buddhist sect and their conception is consciousness is constantly changing. That is what consciousness, that's consciousness. So they're saying that you are what you perceive? Yes. They're saying consciousness, that is the nature of the of being. It's constantly in flux. There's no... It's, Depending on what you're... Whatever is present in consciousness is consciousness. It's simply a successive impressions are what they accept as consciousness. So their question is, how can consciousness be eternal when it is ever-changing according to cognitions of, say, a blue object, then a yellow object? Everything is going through moment to moment to change of growth. Consciousness is therefore not eternal. As we discussed last class, Jiva Goswami, he doesn't address the logic, the fallacy of their logic. He rather addresses the true nature of consciousness by quoting a verse from the Bhagavatam. Basically, we need to understand this advayagyan, this non-dual nature of consciousness, does not mean that that consciousness is not endowed with variegated potencies. And he goes on, for our understanding, the Vigyani Vadi's view is based on a material conception of ever-changing consciousness, that there is no absolute pure consciousness, it's, there's no absolute pure consciousness because consciousness is always colored. We could call it always inf uh, influenced by an upadi. And it has no inconceivable potencies. The Lord and his intrinsic potencies are not bound by the material energy in its constant state of flux. That's the proper conception. This is an important point here also. The absolute can be accessed only through its own self-disclosure in the form of revealed sound, spiritual revelation. 
knowing the absolute is not something to be obtained, rather something to be wholeheartedly submitted to. So again, the proper approach of the absolute truth, which is what the verse from the Bhagavatam spoke of, attainment of the prayojan, and through the proper means. Our experience, our practical experience is always that the perceiver, the perceived, and the perception are distinct. They're not the same thing. These Buddhists are saying, it's the same. When you're seeing yellow, you're yellow. What? what? Because they don't have any, they don't think that anything out here is real. Yes, correct. It's not real, it's all in the consciousness. It's all in the consciousness. Yes, correct. So different people are they part of the same consciousness, or it's all fake? <laughs> yeah, one of those. <laughs> Which one do they know? <laughs> what we have to come away from this with is knowing what is the true nature of consciousness, and knowing that this conception it doesn't fly. Now, one very interesting point comes up here. If you remember when we were talking about the radical non-dualistic viewpoint, one of the characteristics of Brahman is Brahman can have no characteristics. So the question that one would ask, Brahman is the supreme existence, but it has no characteristics. Then how does it exist? Doesn't existence itself denote some kind of characteristic? Existence exists. You're saying that Brahman hat can have no characteristics. It has to have some qualities. <laughs> Correct. Well, if you say it has qualities, then when we denote a quality, then we speak of what? A potency. To exist is to have the ability to exist. That denotes some kind of force, the force of existence. Well, if you're going to say that existence, that Brahman exists and it has the force to exist, then we have no, then we have no problem. We accept also that the Supreme has the force to exist. And without his force, there would not be any existence. So therefore, you're a Vaishnav. We have no argument with you. So let's move forward to this evening's Anucheta. 53. In this Anucheta, simply a pronouncement from the Bhagavatam that completely refutes this misconception now we deal with it from a different angle and we bring logic in. Of course, the logic we just discussed was pretty logical refutation of the whole concept. So the next Anucheta, intuition of the Supreme Self through analysis of the characteristics of the individual self. 
So first Jiva's going to make a statement and then he's going to support it by a, a verse from Bhagavatam. His statement is, the Jiva is designated by the pronoun Twam, you, in the statement Tatwamasi. You are that. If it is first grasped through proper deliberation that the Jivatma is conscious and eternal, one can easily understand that the Supreme Brahman, designated by the pronoun Tat, is of the same essential nature. Okay? Both eternal, both conscious. Therefore, we have the likeness. Abeda. The deliberation upon the jiva is in order to know the other, the Supreme Brahman. That's from the Shruti uh, Vedanta Sutra 1.3.20. In other words, the aspiring spiritualist, the transcendentalist, he, he, what? he contemplates, he deliberates, he gives his consciousness to thought that upon his self as a jiva in order to what? To know the other. To know the supreme. To impart an understanding of the supreme tat in accordance with this reasoning, Pipalayana Yogendra describes the jiva as being of the same nature as the supreme when he says to King Nimi, Srimad Bhagavatam 11.3.38 Because it is the witness of the different states, childhood, youth, and so on, of the transient material body, the Yatma is without birth, growth, decay, or death. Let's take a look at this first part of this statement by Pipalayana. He's saying that because the Atma the self, the jivatma, perceives changes in his environment, meaning his life. He sees that he changes, his environment changes, his close environment, the one he's wrapped up in, from childhood to youth and so on, that the material body is in a state of flux. The fact that he can perceive that means he is distinct from it. Simply that ability to perceive affords awareness of the distinction between the self and the material environment. He goes on. Although the Atma is exclusively, exclusively of the nature of consciousness, present everywhere, eternal and invariable, it appears to assume various forms under the influence of sense perception and cognition. Just as the vital force, prana within the body, although one, appears as if many in contact with the various senses. So the first part of the 
sloka is the jivatma's perceiving changes boyhood to youth to old age and it therefore is distinct from those changes and the body and the second is because of the atma being conscious it is only apparently so we appear to accept these various forms because of sense perception and cognition just as the vital force and the energy takes different forms in a material body the prana so the prana we we recognize within the body the life air now the life air within the body manifests differently there's life air that keeps the heart going and the, the the breath the life air has so many different functions within a body it pe- appears to be different but it's only one life air one living force within the material body that's animating the body sometimes it's animating through breathing it's animating through uh stimulation of the senses it's animating uh through belching i mean there's different the life air expresses itself in the body in different ways but it's one life air so similarly there's one atma is what people lion is trying to express here similarly the one atma is associating with the mind and the senses just as the life air is animating the body we are associating the one atma is associating with the body although it's distinct it's different so let's go on through this anucheta which is in many parts and discuss the atma the pure self that was never born free of ensuing transformation the pure self does not increase then a lot here in a word by word analysis of pipalayana's verse the individual sanskrit words are pulled apart and analyzed and i'm just going to read through a, a quick summarization of these the self is sarvanavit the witness of different bodily states or forms as witness the self is not subject to the varying conditions it merely observes pipalayana says it is exclusively of the nature of consciousness how does it exist it pervades the body and is present at every moment well then the question can be how can consciousness be invariable since cognition cognitive experiences are ever changing the same questions being presented again in this anucheta now in relationship to this verse from the bhagavatam pipalayana answers the power of the senses makes it appear variegated consciousness itself does not appear and disappear 
rather cognitions result in various mental modes, vrittis, the contents of consciousness only. Prana, vital force, shows how something unchanging can exist in the midst of ever-changing phenomena. Tattvamasi, Brahman, and the Jiva have the same nature and attribute of consciousness. By knowing that, if the spiritual nature of the Jiva is understood, then understanding the nature of Brahman is going to be a lot easier for us. In what way? Well, let's just look at this one verse from Pripalayana. If we can understand the distinction between having a material body, it doesn't, that designation is simply an association with it, but it really does not truly interact with the essence, the self. We take on the consciousness, but if we can remove our consciousness, then we can understand the nature of Brahman being able to manifest the material cosmos, but not being affected by it. Just as the jiva can be within a material body based on prior samskaras, but through knowledge can liberate himself. The Lord, he's ever liberated. We can get a, a, a good grasp of what does it mean? What does Brahman mean? What does Paramatma mean? What does, does Bhagavan mean when, they, when we say unaffected by the modes of material nature? We have no experience of that directly. In the material realm, the art and the artist, they're very much connected. And the, the artist has a, a lot invested in, in his creation. But here we can have some, some deeper understanding as the Supreme through his Shaktis can manifest the material cosmos. But just as the jiva can be conditioned by the material body, mind and senses, the supreme can manifest the cosmos and not be affected, just as the jivatma is not truly affected. So these concepts, the concept of observing, just being able to observe the changes in the body means that you're separate from those changes. And then the second one was the prana. Now we're going to go through three, two or three verses of Pipalayana that are, that are going to go deeper into other aspects of these simple, simple understandings. It's a much deeper explanation than we may have heard of before. Again, I think we made the point pretty clear. The content of consciousness is actually what's changing, not the consciousness itself. And this is where we defeat this argument of the Buddhists. They think the momentary consciousness is it, and we realize when we say conscious, we, we think cognitive awareness. And being aware of something doesn't mean you are it, or it's you. Looking at a yellow ribbon doesn't make you yellow. And this is further reinforced by the analogy of the vital force, prana. 
Prana has various names based upon its functions in the body. Prana, apana. Uh, similarly, the Atma manifests different consciousness through the senses. The Atma manifests different consciousness through the senses. Now, think of this in relationship to sweet cow's milk. The Atma manifests different cognitive awareness through the senses. So when we have a cup of sweet cow's milk, the eyes are what? They're conscious, they're aware of, of the white color of the milk. And the nose is aware of the scent. And the tongue is aware of the taste. It's one substance, but the cognition of our cognition of that, whether it be the heat of the cup or the scent, smell, can't hear anything from a cup of milk, but. <laughs> so, yes, the point being, this is how the consciousness is utilizing the senses for the for our cognition. Does that mean the consciousness has changed? It's utilized, rather, a facility of the body. So this particular verse of the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, from it, Jiva has derive two arguments and then he's going to the next verse and he'll derive a couple more the first argument the first thing to be taken from this sloka from the Bhagavatam is our ability to observe changes within the body means that we are changeless <clears throat> We are changeless. Uh, the attributes of changelessness and transformation cannot exist simultaneously. Consciousness is changeless. The awareness, the ability, that's the nature of Brahman. In that respect, we accept beta, a beta. We accept that, that distinction of a chinta beta, beta tattva. That a likeness we will accept that Brahman is changeless. The second thing is the body and the mind cannot be the seer because they are the object of perception. The body and the mind cannot be the perceiver. They are rather the object. And it's confusing for us, especially with the mind, when it gets that's all wrapped up in this it's like to sit back and contemplate a verse like this from the Bhagavatam and arrive at the proper conclusion and to to utilize that to further our self-realization it, it's it requires good guidance and Jiva's giving us some good guidance here questions Thank you for your association. Hare Krishna.